what seems like something very physical is really a spiritual act as well. I'm cleaning up my physical life, but I'm also cleaning up my spirit life. And what's interesting is the physical didn't get cleaned up until I committed to clean up the spiritual. I had to have a course correction. And God's saying the same thing to commit. It's not that He doesn't appreciate you coming here on Sunday morning. He's appreciative of that. It's not that He doesn't appreciate you putting your money into the tithing uh, offering place. He appreciates that. But He's not looking for you to bring a water pistol and start squirting the fire. He's looking for you to commit so hard that you're willing to lay your life down to put that fire out. The book of Colossians tells us to set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. But sometimes, in order to achieve this goal in life, we need a course correction. In today's message, Herman Mason, son of senior pastor Eddie Mason, discusses how to recognize the need for a course correction and how to apply one to your life in order to set your mind back on the things above. I want to talk to you today about making a course correction. Uh, you know, sometimes in life, we're not necessarily going the wrong way, but we need to make a course correction. Much like the GPS here, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a young boy that was waiting outside the grocery store in a small town. His mom was inside, and he was approached by a gentleman who was looking for directions to the post office. And he asked the young man if he knew where it was, and the little boy said, uh, yes, I do. If you'll just keep going down this way, it's going to be down on your right side. And the gentleman said, man, I really appreciate that. He said, I am the new pastor in town. He says, As a matter of fact, if you'll come on Sundays, I'll show you the way to heaven. The little boy kind of looked at him and chuckled. He said, I doubt that. You don't even know the way to the post office. <laughs> you know, for a while, probably the last four or five years, I have felt like I've been on a slightly different path. Uh, you know, it's like the GPS, and I put this picture up here, and if I could have gotten the car to be on the green or turquoise or whatever shade that is, instead of the pink, that's really the illustration I want to give you for being on a slightly different path. You can see that the green path, in many respects, goes the exact same way as the pink path. Purple. That one's purple? Purple does. <laughs> no, you're like, oh, it's purple there. It's pink over here. <laughs> Projector, unless you All right, so the, the pink on my screen, purple on your screen path. Some, well, is it turquoise or green? Okay, good, that's easier. Okay, so I, I don't know if you've ever been on the green path before, literally, in your car, and your GPS does not make any kind of correction. It just tells you to keep going because it thinks that you're on the, the purple path there. Okay, but at some point, you can see that that green path does not go the exact same way that the, the purple path does. At some point, it goes a different path, and that's what I felt like for the last four or five years, is that I felt like I've been going the right way, but something's just slightly off. You know, I've been coming to church, I've, I've been praising God, I've been giving my tithes, I've been saying the right things, but deep in my heart, I've been on a slightly different path. And it's taken me a while to recognize that and thank God for a good family. They've been there to support me and to help me through these tough times. And I'm sure I'm not the only person to go through tough times. Some of that's just mental. Some of that's physical. Some of it's spiritual. Some of it's financial. But, you know, the first step in making any kind of a course correction is recognizing the need for a course correction. Amen. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3, 1 through 4, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above 
where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. It says, if you have been raised with Christ, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, then it tells us we need to seek the things that are above. Romans 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Another illustration I could give you could be that same GPS map where instead of it's me and my road to life, it can be, you know, our flesh path being the green and the Spirit path being the purple. And a lot of times it appears like we're going down the right path because many things in this world are taken from Scripture and so they appear to be that we're following a spiritual path. There are many businesses that don't believe in God, but they give all the time. That's a spiritual, scriptural thing. But they're no more doing it for God than I am doing things in my life. You know, they're doing it for very earthly, uh, monetary reasons. They have found out that if they give, they get tax breaks. Or whatever the reason may be, they realize that when they give, their business thrives. They may not even understand the concept of the principle. But if you are a Christian, God says we're supposed to be seeking those things that are not of the flesh, but of the Spirit. Well, there are a few ways that you can realize you need a course correction. One of those ways is on your own. And if you have been spending time with God, and you've been reading and praying, you're going to feel a little different. For some time now, pretty much since July-ish, when I made a change, a big change in my life, and decided to quit my job and go full-time in ministry and trust God, I, I have been on a different path and something has felt different in a good way. And the other day I came in and Tammy will tell you, for two or three days I'd been feeling off. Nothing was wrong. Nobody was hurt or injured. All our bills were paid. But I just felt off. And I realized I hadn't been spending any time with God those last few days. I'd gotten too busy. This was a Thanksgiving holiday. And normally my routine is I'll come into church and I'll read the first few minutes and pray a little bit. And then I'll go about my day and do stuff. But when I was off and not coming to the church, I, I, I changed my routine and it threw me off a little bit. And I didn't spend time with God. Not from the usual normal pray for my meals time. And so I actually realized that on my own, but it was because I've been spending time with God. There are other times where you have loved ones that will nudge you the right way. Hey, missed you at church today. Hey, did you read this scripture? You know, they notice things in your life and they begin to, well, maybe they're just totally confrontational and say, hey, you're not doing what's right. You need to change. I don't know. My mom's like that a little bit. She'll kind of tell me exactly how it is. I don't really wonder where I stand with her. I'm pretty sure where I stand with her. And for a long time, I thought she had uh, recruited teachers in my life that were just like her. I remember being in college and taking a tennis class. That's right, tennis. And I'm going out on the court, and one of my buddies says something incorrect gram grammatically, and she stops what we're doing to correct him. Like, what does it matter? We're, we're playing tennis. What does it matter? My mom's recruiting people. I know what was going on. So with the help of others, sometimes you realize that you're on the wrong path. You also realize that with the help of the Lord. The Lord is like your GPS voice. It's that Holy Spirit. Sometimes we confuse condemnation with conviction. Sometimes we confuse judgment with conviction. 
Because it's uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable. It makes us move out of our place of, that's right, comfort. And so, God is there helping us, trying to nudge us in the right direction, saying, hey, you need to spend time on me. Hey, you need to spend time on me. Hey, you need to spend time on me. Once you recognize that you need a course correction, the next thing is you've got to do what? You've got to make that course correction. You've got to commit to the course correction. Commitment is key. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. I like that. Because I'll be honest with you, sometimes I think too much. I don't always come up with the right answers, but I outthink myself sometimes. I do very complicated routines sometimes. God's not looking for anything real complicated. That's not a very long scripture right there. It just says, commit your work to the Lord. And your plans will be established. God will order your plans. Amen. If you'll first commit to the Lord. Well, I started feeling a little bit better. I, I struggled with chores. And I did that anyway before my last four or five years. But, you know, I really was not committed to help out with chores. I wasn't. I, I didn't feel like Christmas spirit. I normally decorated the house with lights and a tree and I, I just I really was off and I've not been spending time with God and then in July I made a like I said I, I made a big decision to change my life now I'm not sitting here telling you to go quit your job and join the ministry full time that's something I feel like I spent a lot of prayer in, in, about and had lots of confirmation and that's what God was asking me to do but it's similar because there's something God's asking you to do I don't know what it is for each other but God's asking you to do something. And when you commit to it, it's going to make that course correction for you. Tammy will tell you I've been a lot more, uh, I've been a lot easier to be around. I've been a little happier. I've gotten back to my old self where I enjoyed life. And the other cool thing is things that are happening aren't bothering me quite as much. Now, I'm not going to say I don't get irritated. I'm not going to say I don't get panicked. But I'm able to realize that a lot quicker because I've been spending time with the Lord. And I've noticed that. You know, I got the Christmas decorations out. We put lights on the house. I went to order, I went to put my tree up, but it's no good anymore, so I had to order one. I love the technology age where you just have to, you can just go order one instead of having to go out in the woods and cut it down, you know. So it'll be here Monday, so I'll have my tree up on Monday. But, <laughs> but it, it's, it's something I've wanted to do. And it's amazing as I go through my house, the clutter and the junk and the nasty that's been in there. You know, I, I didn't want to tell anybody this, and Josh will tell you because I was just embarrassed and disgusted, but i got to believe I'm not the only person that's ever had this issue, and I know that because I was reading online all these reviews from people buying some of the same traps I was buying, but I had a rat problem. And I know I had a rat problem because Tammy and I were laying in bed one night, and I think they were chasing each other upstairs in the attic. And one of them hit the wall so hard we were concerned it was going to fall through the roof, and we began to make an escape plan just in case. I don't want to reveal to you what I was thinking, but it wasn't very gentlemanly of me, but I was getting the heck out of the house and out of Dodge, and everybody else was on their own. It was scary, and the worst part is it was at night, and I don't know about you, but I'm not going up to the attic at night. They'll just stay there. We'll deal with it tomorrow. So I put out some traps, and the traps I put out weren't big enough to catch them. Now I was really scared. The cheese was gone. The trap had been tripped. But there was no, no rat. So I began to read online, and they made this, this trap that you could set up that I guess sent uh, little bitty shockwaves through them. 
And I thought, that would be good. Maybe that will get them. And it was a much bigger trap. Sure enough, we started catching them. And I won't tell you how many we caught, but we got rid of them. That's the short version, and that's the less disgusting version. <laughs> Except what I didn't realize was they had been in my garage. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't think they'd been there forever, but it was enough to notice. But I hadn't been out in my garage in so long, other than to cut the grass, and I guess I was just going in tunnel vision. I wasn't really noticing that they had been pulling pieces off of boxes and making little nests and things like this. You know, I got to thinking about that, and the reason I'm sharing that with you is I feel like that tracks with the way my spirit life was going. You know, I, I was cutting the grass. I was going to church. You know, I was throwing trash away weekly. I, I was, you know, the, the house itself might be cluttered, but it wasn't nasty, but the garage... What take care of the garage? And then when I started feeling better and I started getting closer to God, God's helped me to start cleaning up not only my spiritual life, but my physical life as well. And I went into that garage and I was the same garage I'd been going in time and time again the past four or five years, but it wasn't disgusting me to the point I wanted to do anything about it. Now all of a sudden I've grown a little closer to God and I'm reading more and I'm praying more and now I can't stand it i got to do something about it. i got to get this cleaned up. And it's amazing to me the, 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 the relationship between something earthly and physical and something spiritual and godly. And, and what's more amazing is it wasn't like I didn't try to do chores. I just quit early because it was just annoying and I hated it. Now, I still don't really like them, but I know they're necessary. And God's given me the physical strength to carry through and to follow through. But I did notice the correlation between my spirit life and my physical life. And the better part was what I'm telling you. I don't love doing chores, but I haven't been irritated by doing chores since I've started reading and praying more. It's just a necessary part of life. And what's even cooler is I'm able to keep up with it a little bit better now that I'm doing something a little bit each day. You know, And as I take care of the problems when they happen, rather than letting them sit and fester, notice the relationship between physical and spiritual, when I, when I don't take care of those issues, they get worse. They can become health issues. They can become major problems in our life. But the minute I start focusing on it, that can all go away. The minute you start spending time with God again, that can all go away. The minute you commit, God is going to start telling you, hey, man, go, go, go clean up that garage. Okay, I'll do that. But we miss the connection if we're not spending time with God. What seems like something very physical is really a spiritual act as well. I'm cleaning up my physical life, but I'm also cleaning up my spirit life. And what's interesting is the physical didn't get cleaned up until I committed to clean up the spiritual. I had to have a course correction. You know, I don't know what God you serve, but the one I serve likes to test me. And so I've been on this journey, this new journey, this course correction since I can say July. And it has not been total ease. However, I can honestly say that I have had peace. And I always read the scripture, and I quoted probably some of you, talking about God will give you the peace that passes all understanding. And that's exactly what's happening with me right now. I've still got some issues going on. I went to replace a light bulb in my truck, um, and, and that was no problem. Had a little bit of issue getting the, the old bulb off, got the new one on, but I cannot for life me get that thing twisted back in to the right place in my truck. And I don't know about you, but 
you know, I get a little hard-headed, and I know somebody else might can fix it for me, but by God, I don't feel like I can't fix it, and I want to do it. It's one of the few things I can do. So for an hour, I sat over at Dad's trying to put it on, and I'll just tell you, it's still not on right. And that's a challenge for me. I still don't have it fixed yet. And I'm thinking about it, but I'm not stressed about it. Um, I did do something stupid also. I know that shocks all of you. But I got a little bit of my male ego rolling. And then I just, I don't know. I was home the other night. Levi needed to be picked up. Tammy parked behind me. And I decided to go pick up Levi. I don't know where you think I'm going. But I did not back into the car. I was able to get around it, no problem. Picked up Levi. As I'm coming home, I could have easily parked to the right, but as many of you men know what was wrong with that, that wasn't my spot. Tammy was parked in my spot. So instead of parking to the right, I decide I'll just whip around her and I'll pull up in front. And I, didn't, I, did have, I had no problem with that to the very end of that, and I guess I must have cut her a little close. And the reason I guess is because the evidence says so. The yellow paint on the back of my truck and the bumper that's now partially pulled off of the car say that I messed up. So, I started to blame Tammy because that's, that's easy. And she started to fight with me but accept the blame. If she would have just parked in your spot, well, this wouldn't have happened. And right about that time, God got a hold of me. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not that God hasn't done that to me in the past. It's that because I've been spending more and more time with him, I recognize his voice a little quicker, and I was able to come down off my high horse and avoid a bigger issue in my marriage because I heard the voice of God much sooner than I'd been hearing him in the past. And I immediately stopped my train of thought, and I accepted responsibility, and then I was mad at myself. And so... I still don't have it fixed, but we're working on it. It's, it's in process. Uh, I did get the door to open more. It's amazing what you can do with a pickaxe. It don't look great, but I was able to get it wedged out. It's not really my car. It's Hunter's car. So, I mean, I care, but I don't care. You know, it's the first car, but I did finally let him know the other night, but that's when I thought I had a bumper to replace it with, and they called me back and told me that bumper was rotted away. I'm trying to get it from a, a junkyard, and so y'all be praying. I, I've called two or three places. They all say they have one. Then when they go to pull it, it's all rotted out or whatever. So, but we're going to find one. And I got a man of God that this said he would, he would help me. And so God sent somebody to bless me and to, to, to take care of the problem. And God's providing fixes. But what I noticed through all of that was that I heard the voice of God a lot sooner. And it kept me on the right path. Why? Because I'd made a course correction back in July. And by spending time with him, I started to hear him much quicker. Let me read you a little story real quick, see if it helps you as much as it helped me to emphasize my point. Because God's not just looking for us to recognize that we need a course correction. He's looking for us to actually follow through with that, to commit. Okay, this is a made-up story, by the way. This is not true. Once upon a time, there was a fire in a small town. The fire brigade rushed to the scene, but the firemen were unable to get through to the burning building. The problem was the crowd of people who had gathered not to watch but to help put out the fire. They all knew the fire chief well. Their children had climbed over his fire engines during excursions to the fire station. And the friendliness of the fire chief was legendary. 
So when a fire broke out, the people rushed out to help their beloved fire chief. Unfortunately, the townsfolk were seeking to extinguish this raging inferno with water pistols. They'd all stand there from time to time squirting their pistol into the fire while making casual conversation. The fire chief couldn't contain himself. He started screaming at the townsfolk, what do you think you're doing? What on earth do you think you're going to achieve with those water pistols? The people realized the urgency of the situation, how they wanted to help the fire chief. So they started squirting more. Come on, they encouraged each other. We can all do better, can't we? Squirt, 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 squirt. Exasperated, the fire chief yells again, get out of here, you're achieving nothing except hindering us from doing what needs to be done. We need firemen who are ready to give everything they've got to put out this fire. People willing even to lay their lives on the line. This is not the place for token contributions. Now, I don't know about you, but as I was reading that story, I immediately thought that it was the bravery of the people and the water pistols and the fact they wanted to help out. And that's what we need to do is be willing that even if all we have is a water pistol, that we're ready to go and squirt that fire out. But what the, moral, what the point of the story was is unless you're willing to lay your life down to put this fire out, get out of the way. And God's saying the same thing to commit. It's not that he doesn't appreciate you coming here on Sunday morning. He's appreciative of that. It's not that he doesn't appreciate you putting your money into the tithing uh, offering plates. He appreciates that. But he's not looking for you to bring a water pistol and start squirting the fire. He's looking for you to commit so hard that you're willing to lay your life down to put that fire out. No matter what it takes, that's what God is looking for. That's the kind of commitment he's looking for. The last part of this is just to keep it simple. Sometimes we overcomplicate God, and he is a miraculous God. And it, the Bible is full of stories of just wonder and delight and awe. But it came from people simply being obedient. Much like this meme you see up here, maybe that's a little too simple. I'll let you read that real quick. For those of you listening on the podcast, it's a guy in a driver's seat turned around and he says, my GPS just told me to turn around. Now I can't see where I'm driving. Okay, maybe not that simple. But he does want you to keep it simple by just doing what he asks you to do. Here's how simple he wants you to have it. Let's look at Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. How many of your kids come up and ask you for something, and about the 13th time you look at them and go, I know already! You already told me that, right? That's the way I read that scripture when we start worrying God about these particular items. God's going, you, you think I don't know what you need? You think I don't know what you need? But I made you. Matter of fact, if Adam hadn't messed it up, you wouldn't even have to worry about the clothes thing. But I know what you need. I made you. I made you in my likeness, in my image. I know what I need, therefore I know what you need. I don't need you telling me every day what you need. I need you simply doing what I asked you to do. What did he ask us to do? Let's look at the next scripture. Matthew 22, 34 through 38. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him. It's always those lawyers. God bless them. About to have a sister-in-law that's a lawyer. I'm proud of her, though. A lawyer asked him a question to test him. See, that's what I'm saying. A lawyer just won't test you. All right. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? 
And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And yes, I'm aware about the second commandment, which is just as important, but this is what I wanted to focus on was this is all God's looking for from you. Do your actions show your commitment and your love towards the Lord your God? If they do, then don't worry about it. God's going to work it out. Now, notice I didn't say he was going to answer the prayer the way you're praying it. Sometimes we pray, oh, God, bless me with this and that. And God's saying, I don't need you to have this and that because this and that is taking you away from me. The Bible says that he'll give us our heart's desire so long as what? Our heart's desire lines up with his heart's desire. James says you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask of selfish motivation. See, we always quote Matthew, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. We go, yes! That's what I want to do. And we forget the rest of that scripture. And we forget the addition with James where it talks about, that's absolutely right. But your heart has got to line up with God's heart. And when you start spending more time with God, you start seeing that your prayers change. We were praying for an individual that was sick not too long ago. And I, I realized that my thought process had changed a little bit. Immediately, I just I assumed, you know, God doesn't want us sick, and I don't think he does. I, don't, don't misunderstand me. But they were praying for complete healing because the alternative is death. And I got to praying, okay, Lord, what is your will for this? It sounds so horrible to pray that God actually allows somebody to die but that's why we're not in charge. We don't know all the plans God has. I know Ernie passed away at an extremely young age, and it bothers me to think that maybe that was his time. I don't really know how to think about it, though. Because if it wasn't his time, I truly believe in a God powerful enough that he would have raised him up, and he'd still be here running sound with us. But he didn't, therefore I've got to remember my place to know that my job is simply to love God and not to question him. And so, if the prayer is, God, your will be done, the only way we can pray any further is if we know what his will is. And the only way we're going to know what his will is, is if we are seeking him out. And the only way I know how to seek him out is through prayer and through reading. You know, I wish I could tell you that everything's been worked out and everything is perfect, but it's not. But I know it's going to be okay. But I can tell you my perspective, perspective has changed. And in closing, let me just tell you that I know that for fact because I went to Hardy's the other day and I got me a steak biscuit with gravy. Now, we'll talk about my weight issue later, but for now, <laughs> but for now, let's just talk about what happened. So I'm at the window, and the lady tells me if I'll just pull forward, they're going to bring me uh, a fresh hot steak biscuit. Because of where I'm at right now, I did not get irritated. Last year, I would have been furious, and there's a possibility I might have told him no. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done that. If you'll please pull forward. No, I'm good right here. Thank you very much. <laughs> what are they going to do? What are they going to say? They may be mad at me, but no, but that wasn't my perspective this time. My perspective was, oh, my goodness, they're making me fresh biscuits. And God helped me to focus on that part of it rather than the fact that I was being delayed. You know, I've heard my grandfather talk many a times saying, 
You might have been running late or stopped by a train because there was an accident waiting to happen and God protected you from it. But you know, unfortunately, as I get older, sometimes I forget those teachings. But it's amazing that when I start getting right with God, how they come flooding back. And everything God promised works out. And I remember him saying things like that. I remember thinking, I'm about to get a fresh hot steak biscuit. Now, I don't know about the weight issue, and I don't know that, that part of it. Probably not a good choice for breakfast. I thoroughly enjoy it, but, but I was able to focus on the hot, juicy, fresh part, not sitting there stale, leftover, whatever the case may be, right? And the point of that story is to explain to you how God has, since my course correction, has helped me have a better perspective on life. And I'm promising you the same thing. I'm promising you if you make a course correction today that you're going to have that same perspective Notice I didn't tell you that I didn't have to wait any longer. God didn't say follow him and you'll never have another issue. As a matter of fact, he tells you the way is narrow and there are few that can follow it. There are few that do follow it. But I am telling you today that to make a course correction, all you need to do is, one, recognize the need for that course correction. That, that's, you know, knowing is half the battle. Isn't that G.I. Joe? He was right. Knowing is half the battle. Knowing that you need a course correction is half the battle right there. The cool thing is, the course correction is very simple. All you have to do is commit. What was the thing I told you I did differently since July? I started spending more time with God. That's it. I haven't had Gary-like prayer sessions where I'm praying an hour or more. It's probably 15 minutes right now. And I may be stretching it just a little bit. As a matter of fact, Joni fusses at me sometimes at our Monday and Wednesday prayer time because I'm good for about half an hour or so, and then I have my phone out. I'm reading some scriptures sometimes, but I'm going to get there, though. Amen. But the cool thing is God's not holding that against me. What he's focused on is the fact that I'm taking time and spending time with him. And then just keep it simple. Follow through with the course correction. That's it. It's not difficult. Follow God's plan for you. That's all that you have to do. Amen? I remember explaining uh, to Levi back in the day, he was asking what GPS is, and I was trying to keep it simple for him. The only thing I could think to tell him was, you know, it pretty much just tells me what to do and where to go while I'm in the car. And he thought about it for a minute, and he said, what do you mean it's like mom? <laughs> no, no, it's not like mom. But you know what is true? It is like God. And if you'll use God as your GPS, he will tell you what to do and where to go and how to do it. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet with me. Thank you, Lord. Amen. One of you, either way, both of you. Amen. I just appreciate you guys being here today. I appreciate your patience. You know, for me, sometimes it's difficult when I'm coming to church and I'm expecting one person to be speaking and it's not that person. You know, I'll be honest with you, that's a test sometimes. It's a test for me, you know. But I think what's cool is if you'll open your heart and just ask God to minister to you and not worry about who's necessarily delivering the message, it's amazing what you can walk away with. And I hope that's what you did today. And I don't mean this part to be funny, but, but if you didn't, you have another shot. First of all, I meant to announce beforehand that we, we, we can make CDs again. Um, we were missing that technology for a minute, but... You can sign up in the back if you want a CD copy. But don't forget, we do have uh, podcasts available through uh, iTunes and through SoundCloud. 
uh, and all the sermons are on those devices right there. Uh, Vince has done a great job. They're also available on the website now too. So please check those out if you need any, if you want any messages. What I'm encouraging you to do, and the reason I'm bringing that up now for this message is we're talking about making a course correction, right? Spending time with God. One of the things I hear from people all the time is I don't know where to start. So I'm giving you some ways you can start. Go back and listen to the, the old sermons. Go back and let God minister to you through the old messages that are out there. They're just as good today as they were when they were preached. Amen? There's, there's one other one I want to suggest to you before I do an altar call. There is an app that I just uh, discovered, and it's by some, uh, uh, Francis Chan and the Bible Project. And I haven't, I haven't researched much about the Bible Project, but this app is called Read Scripture. It is so awesome because not only does it have the Scripture breakdown for you, but it follows... The plan is uh, however fast you go. So if you read today, but you don't read for two days, that's fine. It remembers that. Okay? But it also breaks it down with some, some visual illustrations as well. And they take you through uh, some of the Bible, and they, they, they actually draw it out for you. So for a person like me that's very visual, that's done. Man, it's been great. But it's just called Read Scripture. It's an app you can download onto your phones. Why am I telling you that? I'm wanting you to have opportunities to read and not have excuses because the first thing the devil's going to do is try to come in and tell you all the ways that you're not prepared to get closer to God. But today, you can take that first step. If you need a course correction, I told you you just got to keep it simple, right? God just wants to know that you're committed. So the way you're going to show your commitment is you're going to come down front. If you need to make a course correction in your life, I'm going to ask you to come down front right now. Amen. Remember, I told you that I was still going the same direction. You can feel like you're on the right path because you're doing the, the things that God's asked you to do. You're going to church. You're not cussing. You're giving tithes. You're being nice, at least when you say things, right? But that doesn't mean you're on the right path. And I think we all know that. There's something inside of us that just pulls at us and nags at us and says, and that's God saying, I want to be closer to you. I want you closer to me. I don't know the feeling you have when you get around your parents, but for me, it's phenomenal. I mean, just being around my dad, and I've gotten to work with him a lot closer since July, and man, it is, You'd think that we had not seen each other. We were texting each other left and right yesterday about the Clemson game, even though we work together four or five days a week now. Why? Because it's just that love, man. I just feel so much joy and love when I'm around him. And that's a fraction of what God does for us. God will make you feel better even though you're in the mud. God will make you feel better even though your finances aren't where they're supposed to be. God will make you feel better even though your spirit life's not where it's supposed to be. God will make you feel better even though your health is not where it's supposed to be. All he's looking for is for you to make that commitment. Amen? Amen. Give you one more minute for anybody else that wants to come down front to make that course correction. Just lift your hands and say this with me. Father God, I recognize the need for a course correction. I stand here before you willing and able. Father God, use me. Draw me closer. Lord, just put me back on the right path. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Listen, God loves you. All right? And I mean it when I say that. It's not just Bob the Tomato or something that's nostalgic for me. One of the reasons I always say it in the announcements is because I think God means it too. He made each and every one of you special. And He loves you very much. Amen. Southside Christian Fellowship Church. A place where you are loved, accepted, and received. A place of healing. A place of prayer. A place of hope. Please join us every Sunday morning. For service times, locations, and other information about the church, visit us at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you 